Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. I am Ben Trueblood, and I am staring at the digital square of producer Nathan. What's up? I'm staring at your digital square, too. Yeah. I was going to say, I guess it's not. I mean, you're not digital. You're a human. I hope not. Inside. I hope it's not awesome. I'm just kidding. It's not that, obviously. <laughs> We've replaced Nathan with his AI counterpart that he no, developed geez. and produced on his own. <laughs> also today, we are super excited to have a special guest with us. Been on the podcast before. Uh, great friend, the one and only Mr. Shane Pruitt. What's up, guys? Such an honor to be on again. And anything that I can do with Ben and Nathan. The answer is always yes. Love you guys. <laughs> We're Thanks here for it. Absolutely. Yeah. We uh, it it is. We do need to preface our whole conversation today uh, with this bit of information for you, the listener. Both Shane and I have children home from school. That is correct. So you know there may be kids running through the podcast at some point, and if so, we'll ask them a couple questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We'll just make it we'll just make it a family thing. But uh, just so everybody knows, uh, Shane serves, if you're not familiar with him, uh, he serves as the national next gen director for the North American Mission Board. Uh, he and his wife, Casey, reside in Rockwall, Texas. They have six children. He's been in ministry for over 20 years, is an author, a lot of articles in an ongoing way for a bunch of different publications, uh, has written books, Nine Common Lives, Lies Christian believe Christians believe and why God's truth is infinitely better. And most recently, which is where we're going to spend uh, a good bit of our conversation today, a book calling out the called. And so, uh, Shane, I'd love for you to just give us the snapshot of calling out the called. Uh, and you wrote that with uh, Dr. Pace, right, from yeah. Southeastern. Yeah. So little co-authorship, which, by the way. Co-authoring is the best way to do this book thing, Bro. in my opinion. It, like it just it feels so much better. At least that's that's my that's my thought behind it. But tell us a little bit about how that book came to be and then uh the basic theme, what you guys are trying to accomplish. Today. Yeah, man. Yeah, and you're right. That co-authorship and you just play off of each other's strengths. I tell people like, you know, Dr. Scott Pace, he's professor, he's Southeastern Seminary, right? And so I'm like, he brings the smarts. I bring the stories, you know, that's how that worked. Out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's a good balance to have. Yeah, dude, you know? Uh, so yeah, it really just came from a conversation. Ben, we were just, you know, talking about, um, you know, the calls that we all get and the calls that you get on a weekly basis of like, Hey, you know, do you know, a youth pastor, is there a short, where, you know, uh, do you know a college pastor, you know, a pastor, you know, and then people ask, is there, a, it seems to be a, and of course, we're painting with a broad brush here. Is there a void in the next yeah. generation of leaders and leaders coming up? And, uh, you know, where are um, all the next generational leaders and all those kind of things? And so we started talking about, like, I think it goes back to kind of the root issue is on some level, we've stopped calling out the called of the next generation of ministry mm-hmm. leaders because God hasn't stopped calling people to ministry leadership. I think we as a, on a large scale as current leaders have stopped asking a whole generation to consider if God's calling them. Um, if we jump into statistics, you know, Barna and David Kinman's written on this. And this was, I mean, this, this, that six years old. So I would bet it's even worse now. But, you know, in 1992, one third of all Protestant ministry leaders were under the age of 40. By 2017, less than 15% of all ministry leaders were under the age of 40. 
And I bet it would be much worse even now statistically, because just the eye test alone is through the pandemic and coming through, you know, the other side of the pandemic. It, the eye test alone makes it appear there's more people leaving ministry than are going into ministry. So if we were like a baseball team, I know we're, uh, you know, Ben, you're a huge baseball fan. Fan, your uh, Cardinals beat my Rangers. Uh, you know, we were one out away from a World Series multiple times, but thanks to the Cardinals, they ripped our hearts out. I'm just kidding. Hey, but, but if we were like a baseball team, it's like it's like we'd be a baseball team and we don't have a farm system coming up, you know. Yeah. So we really got to get back to calling out the call to the next generation of ministry leaders. Yeah. So, man, I, I want to hear the 2017 statistic one more time because I want people – uh, there are probably people that are driving or running sure. or something. And we're like, wait, what was that number? Yeah. So uh, let, t- let's help them be safe instead of having to rewind. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Give it one, more, sure. Give it one yeah. more shot. Yeah. Accord- uh, yeah. According to Barna research, less than 15% of uh, all ministry, Protestant, Protestant ministry leaders are under the age of 40. Um, yeah. Less than 15%. And that's 40. It's not like we're saying under the age of 25 or 30, like under the age of 40. Um, and then the yeah. median age of our leaders continues to go up. And and I think some of that, there's there can be multiple layers. I think as people are taking care of themselves and, um, and being healthier, I think people can stay in ministry leadership for, for longer amounts of time. And praise God, we need our faithful leaders who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s uh, to keep pouring into the next generation of ministry leaders. But I think also a part of it is we have a leadership void coming up of the next generation of leaders. Um, So we got to get back. So the book, the heartbeat behind the book is to really to call out the callers, to equip the equippers, those of us that are currently in ministry leadership. But it's also for the person that goes, hey, I, I think God's called me to ministry leadership. Now what? So those were really the two audiences that we had in mind. Man, th- that statistic brings uh, to mind a ton of questions for me. Um, and I would, there's a lot of speculation and there has been a lot of speculation because this has been a snowballing problem of yes. shortage of youth pastors, however we want to label it. B- Barna and this research labels it as 15% are, are under the age of 40. So we're top heavy in terms of ministry leadership. So uh, the questions I have, and you working closely with North American Mission Board, what I'm about to say, I want to be really clear. I am in no way bashing church planning. <laughs> so I want to make I want to make that abundantly clear. Yeah. But one of the things that people often go to uh, when we talk about shortage of youth pastors uh, in ministry circles, it's, well, there has been such an emphasis on church planting that the young entrepreneurial, I want to be my own boss, so to speak, in ministry that would have first gone into student ministry, have just leapfrogged that step and gone into be a church planner. And what I would say to that is, man, if you want to be a church planner, then go do that. If you want to be a pastor, go do that. Don't use student ministry as like a stepping stone and preach brother. Got to pay my dues. So like I'm there. Yeah, But just with your connection with North American Mission Board, and as I know you've had a ton of these conversations with student pastors as well about the shortage, what would you say to that church planting question specifically? Like, have we seen that kind of pull some of the farm system that would have gone into student ministry? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, yeah, I think there's so many different layers to 
this void in leadership. And so that could possibly be one of them is normally guys that would go, hey, I'm going to go be a youth pastor. And, and maybe with the best intentions going, hey, I'm not looking at this as a seven. So I really feel like God's called me to do this. But in sure. God's story for your life, it is for a season. It's for a couple of chapters. And then he calls you to go play in a church or go be a lead pastor. And are some guys leapfrogging that and going, man, God's called me to go play in a church at 25 instead of being a youth pastor. Or God's calling me to be a lead pastor. There's probably many very real stories just like that. But if you were to have this same conversation with the Sin Network guys, what they would say, too, is go, hey, we have the resources. We have the finances, you know, like our the faithful giving of Southern Baptist churches and, you know, uh, Annie Armstrong. We have the resources to plant more churches. You know what we need? Planters. You know what I mean? And so they would look yeah, at it. That's go, right. There's a depleted yeah. <laughs> planters. So they are seeing the same issue, you know? Uh, so I really think it goes back to calling out the call. You know, and, and it's even that with a seminary. You know, I was having uh, a conversation with one of our seminary presidents. And he says, hey, the number one question I get is enrollment, enrollment. How do we get our enrollment up? Why is enrollment down? Why are enrollment been on this, you know, trajectory downward at our seminaries. How do we get enrollment up? And I think people tend to think of marketing. How do we market better? But he said, it's so true. He goes, hey, the enrollment of our seminaries will always reflect the effectiveness of the local church calling out the call because that's who ends up in seminary, you know? And so when we're going, because our world is youth ministry and, you know, and collegiate ministry. So we tend to think of the void there. What I'm saying is no matter what kind of lane in this kingdom of God work you're running in, everybody sees a void in that lane, too. So they go, we need more church planters. We need more students in seminary. We need more worship pastors. You know, we need more like, you know, it goes all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. It's like volunteers in a church. Like you always every every group, every ministry area in a church always needs more volunteers. That's just the way it that's just the way it goes. Mm -hmm. Well, man, one of the things that. again, that this statistic brings to my mind um, that could be a part of this is the role that older ministers play in mentoring young ministers. Yeah. Uh, And that goes right along with what you guys talk about. And and you mentioned it. The book is really equipping the equippers to call out those people that are called. So, Like, I think a, I think student pastors in general, ones who grow up in student ministry, the student ministry had an impact in their life. This is, this is part of my story. I, I, I was saved in a student ministry. The student ministry had a great impact on my life. In particular, the student pastor had an impact on my life. And so when God called me to ministry and I started, in a position I did student ministry the way I saw it done. Mm -hmm. And that was the way I started. Now that morphed and God began to, you know, create a, a vision for me and how to do it. But the tenets of how I did student ministry were largely founded in how it made an impact on my life. And I think that I'm not the only one that leads that led in student ministry out of their own personal experience. And part of that personal experience, again, was a student pastor who said, I am going to pour specifically into this person. Yeah. And at that time in my life, like it was not even 
Like I hadn't said, I feel called to ministry. I think God's doing something in my heart about that. It was just a very intentional, personal discipleship beyond my small group or Sunday school class. Yeah, that's right. And that began to form in me. Eventually, God did move in, in, in my heart and said, hey, ministry is something that vocationally I want you to do. And then that discipleship mentoring process continued. So again, like that's my personal experience. And so one minister pouring into another and teaching them kind of how to do it. And so when I hear a statistic like this with 15% of evangelical ministers are under the age of 40, then one of the things that dings in my head is, oh, we have a older to younger mentoring gap that has at some point created a deficit in this like that like again i don't think we can point to any one thing and said and say it's your fault yeah sure and that's not what we're trying to do yep. but we're trying to solve the problem Absolutely. right so yep. it, it, i i think for me again there this points to a mentoring gap that at some point has happened and has contributed to the deficit i wonder what you see as you research and wrote the book is that is that something that's congruent with what you guys saw yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think we look at it, it as current leaders and to go, oh, man, this got to be something added to our, our strategy or lack of better term, like your uh, job description is in a way to as a leader to uh, find and disciple your replacement. Because I think that's even some of uh, what we see today. Like, let's just take a very real example that we see on a weekly basis is. Ben, you'll get the calls. I'll get the calls. And it's it usually goes like this. It usually goes like this. You know, um, it's from maybe we'll start with the large church. You'll start with the very large church and go, hey, Shane. Hey, Ben, uh, I need a stud. <laughs> I need a rock star, you know, and even use that language. And so maybe even yep. in there going, maybe we don't need studs or rock stars. Maybe we need faithful and called. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> but usually I, I understand the language. And so let's talk about youth pastors. Hey, I need a stud. I need a rock star. But typically what they want to do is find, you know, somebody who's already a youth pastor doing a great job at a church, maybe just a little smaller than theirs. And so what they want to do is be able to go recruit and talk. And, hey, God can work through that. So say God moves that youth sure. pastor, right? That's okay. That's God's providential and sovereignty in that. And that's how you use it. Great. That youth pastor moves. Now this church is without a youth pastor. So they're now looking, guess what? They're going to do the exact same thing. They're going to go find a youth pastor from another church. And then that youth pastor moves. And now this church is without a youth pastor. They're going to do the same thing and so on and so on and so on. And what we're doing on a large scale is I think we're just shuffling shepherds around. We're not taking time to raise up new ones. And so I think sometimes we're, we're reactive to a leadership void, right? So let's take a youth pastor like, okay, we're without a youth pastor now. So there's that leadership void. So now we're reacting. We're trying to figure out how do we fill that void? We're going to try to go hire somebody else to fill that void. Instead of being reactive, being more proactive to go, hey, while we have these leaders in place, ask these leaders and we put it on ourselves as leaders to go, hey, we're raising up our future replacements. Now, here's the deal. If you're like a, a friend of mine, Bob Johns, and you're there for 40 years, you know what I mean? Praise the Lord for that. Um, but what you're doing is you're raising up a bunch of shepherds to go be a part of the bride of Christ, maybe in other locations or to be a part of your leadership team. And you're sending them out to help the, the body of Christ in other areas. But 
if God does move you, maybe God does call you to go play in a church or God does call you to a different youth ministry position or God does call you to go be the lead pastor. Then there's some options for that local church already in house to maybe hire somebody there. Now, that doesn't always work out like that. And maybe those guys aren't ready or gals aren't ready to be hired yet. But at least those options are there because you are pouring into leaders and raising up leaders within that local body of believers. So I think even looking at us go, hey, man, let's start doing that. And I and I know I know immediately when youth pastors hear this or lead pastors hear this go, I am so busy. I can't add something else to my calendar. And that really the cheat code somebody gave me on that is to go, hey, don't add something else to your calendar. Invite people into your calendar. And that's what my pastor yeah. did. I mean, that's why I love older leadership so much. I mean, he was in his early 70s. And, uh, you know, I was 21 when I got saved. All my friends were partiers. So I still prayed for him, shared the gospel with him. But I knew I couldn't hang out with him all the time at clubs and parties. I'd fall right back into the same junk. So I started going to hospital visits with him. I started doing visitation with him. I started working around the church because he did. And it was mainly to spend time with him, not because I felt necessarily even called to ministry at that time. But you know what? Sometimes God reveals his calling within serving. So I would just say, hey, invite people into your calendar going, hey, you know, what? I'm going to speak at this. Come travel with me or I'm going to make this visit. Come travel with me or, hey, I got this lunch. Come join in with us and just invite people into your calendar that you think God may be calling the ministry leadership. Yeah. You know, one of the things uh, to use a sporting analogy uh, that you hear all the time with people like Bill Belichick and Kyle Shanahan is the coaching tree mm. is the number of assistant coaches and head coaches at mm. other places that came up under their leadership. And I know not everybody's into sports and anytime you use a sports analogy, like you cut out, but I think it fits a little bit here. Absolutely. And there are, there are leaders leading in other significant teams because of the impact of a coach teaching a system Yep. Teaching them how to do it. And then they go on and do and do the same thing. Uh, and I, there are, have been people like that in, in ministry and still are. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the strengths of that we've seen in the past. And that through your book, I think you're hoping to reignite in the, in the future because I think of guys like Chris Lovell. Yeah who was a student pastor for many years. uh, And like he has, there are so many guys who are in ministry pastoring and as student pastors right now that came through his leadership that worked for him on a staff at some place along the way. Uh, And so there are others, there are, there are others for sure, but he's one that comes to my mind right away because there've been so many. And I think your statement of who are you coaching and mentoring to come behind you and take your take your place when you when you go on or send them out somewhere else. I think that's such a key question for current leaders to ask. We get uh, this is going to sound really weird. We get so focused on discipleship and running a ministry. Yep. That I think that question is is left out sometimes. And we need to focus on discipleship and we need to, to operate a ministry effectively and safely and well-organized and all of those things. But the added question of who am I going to intentionally like pray and mentor to be a part of the coaching tree, so to speak, 
is a really key component of leading a, 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 a reproducing ministry. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for a guy that did that in my life. And even when I messed up time and time again, I remember, you know, getting saved at 21, got called to ministry at 23 and specifically to the areas of, of preaching and teaching. And um, and I remember going home to my home church and pastor and it was a small church, you know, like on Easter Sundays, they would run 100 people. You know what I mean? Um, and but this church loved people. This church, uh, the pastor would call out the call. And now there's multiple of us that are in full time ministry, all from this same little small church. So it's not even a awesome. church, large church, small church, whatever. Like we're all called to this. And so I remember going back and going, hey, pastor, I think God's calling me to ministry leadership and specifically to, to teach and preach God's word. And he goes, hey, I've known that. I've just been waiting for God to reveal it to you and you be obedient to that. And then the next part scared me to death. He said, you're up in six weeks. Now, this was a small world <laughs> church, you know, where you have more opportunities, honestly, sometimes in those settings, because it would be Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night prayer meeting, you know. And so mm-hmm. Sunday night, you know, there was 30 people there. I think 27 of them were my friends and family. And I stumbled through Psalm 23. <laughs> it took me about 14 minutes. I think I said amen 82 times, not even with an exclamation point, but with a question mark looking for affirmation. You know, it's like, <laughs> like I said, amen 82. Here's the deal. It was awful. Like when you think of like a polished sense, it was awful. But there was a pastor who saw a calling of God in my life. He helped call it out. And then he walked with me and he gave me opportunities and he coached me in that. And part of it was the discipleship. It goes, I'm going to give you opportunities. I'm going to give you feedback. Morning thing, I'm going to help you walk deeply with Jesus because that's the most important thing. But he gave me opportunities. And I think sometimes a part of that discipleship is giving people who feel called to ministry leadership those opportunities. I think sometimes we want to wait till they're super polished and then give them an opportunity. But some of that discipleship and that growing and honing comes through reps and opportunities to go, hey, it may be messy. It may be rough, but that's part of that discipleship process as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of leads to the next question I wanted to ask you as we try to get maybe super practical with a youth pastor who is saying, I want to do this. Like I see the vision of it. Somebody did it for me. How do I make this a part of the culture in my ministry in a very practical way? So one of those you mentioned earlier, invite them into your calendar. If you're going to whatever it is that you're going as some extracurricular activity, you're going to something as a youth pastor, invite them, invite them along. And then the next one that you just mentioned is give people opportunities before they're ready. Mm-hmm. as a way to help them grow and, and continue to serve. What other super practical ways would you tell student pastors, if you want to make this calling out the call a part of your ministry culture, what advice would you give them? Yeah, great. I love that, Ben. I love that great question. So yeah, what's next? What are some of those steps? Yeah, the two you already mentioned, that's super helpful. Um, I would say first and foremost, pray. You know, we all love you know, the story in Matthew 9 of Jesus, and it's, we all quote it, like the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. And then the next verse, it doesn't say like, what? so when we see that, how do we react? We're like, oh, we got to come up with a strategy. Let's build a pipeline. Yeah. Go get the plow. Let's start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's write a book, you know, and stuff like <laughs> But But what he said to do is pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And so I would say, first of all, start with pray. God, God, turn our heart towards this. Make this 
uber important in our heart as current leaders. Uh, God, you call out the call. You do it. Because um, we believe God mm-hmm. hasn't stopped calling people. I think we as leaders have stopped asking people to consider if God's gone. So God, this has got to be a work of you. We totally depend on you. So I'd start praying towards that direction that that would be the, you know, the culture of your ministry. Um, then the second thing I would say is invitations, you know, like whatever your style, you know, like whether you do like a come forward invitation or send out or raise your hand or whatever, but I'd say whatever it is, like include on a pretty regular rhythm a calling out the called as part of your response and invitation. Because think about it. I think then even currently, you know, we'll do it at camps, you know, like, man, y'all do such great jobs with Fuge and Student Life, you know, in the camps that I preach at and all those things. It's like typically we'll do a night of calling out the call where the message has been that way going, hey, some of you, God's calling you to ministry leadership and God's calling you to be to the mission field and you need to put your yes on the table and all that. So we'll do it at conferences. We'll do it at camps. But when's the last time you've seen it done at the local church level? Meaning like yeah. I remember Brother Ivan Carr, my pastor who's now with the Lord. It was a regular rhythm where he would even get public invitations of calling up. Call. Now, it may not be every Sunday, but it was a pretty regular rhythm of like maybe once every six weeks or once a quarter where he would go, man, some of you, God's calling you to ministry or leadership. And you're just realizing that today or the mission field or some of you known and you've been running for it and you need to surrender that. So there was these invitations. Um, and so I think we need to have public invitations. And then I would call what I would call like private invitations is like be in tune and go, hey, I see this in some of my students. So maybe that needs to be a private conversation where you're asking good questions. I want to say right here, I would say just make sure we ask questions and not declare statements. What I mean by that is don't go, hey, God's calling you to ministry. You're running from it. You need to stop that because God may not be calling them. They may not be feeling that on the inside. And then you can cause a lot of confusion, right? Like we don't want people called, you know, leaders. We want God called leaders. And so, it's, but give those invitations, give people an opportunity to respond. I think uh, why we need to do more public invitations as well is because I think as leaders, if we're not careful, we tend to think only the students whom we like are called to ministry leadership. <laughs> and, may, and God may be doing a David situation where no one would yeah. pick David, right? You know, it's so good. Like I may be doing something in a student's life. But let's just be honest that you may not like very much, but God's doing it. So I think a lot of times if we're only because I know a lot of leaders go, well, I have those privately, you know, over coffee or conversations. Well, I think if we're not careful, we tend to only do that with the students that we gel with the best. Um, and God may yeah. be doing other things. So I would say private invitations. That's those conversations, uh, public invitations. Uh, thirdly, I would say uh, testimonies. Uh, think about this. Like we're always as leaders sharing our testimonies of how we came to know Jesus and started following Jesus. But when's the last time as leaders we shared our testimonies of how God called us to ministry leadership and our journey in that and our path in that? So a lot of times we know students connect to stories and stories change stories. So like start sharing your story more, even with your students of how God called you to ministry leadership. Get your other leaders to do the same things, to share more of those testimonies and stories. Um, And then, yeah, I would say next would be those serving opportunities. God reveals calling and serving. And we need to teach a whole generation, too, especially if they feel called to ministry leadership. There's no serving beneath you. Um, This isn't a call to stardom. It's a call to servanthood. One day you'll stand before Jesus and you won't say, well done, good and faithful leader. Well done, good and faithful pastor. Well done, good and faithful influencer. They'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. So help students understand that from day one. And then, yeah, I would say 
Um, you know, lastly, um, have a plan and maybe your plan has to be retrofitted to your context, but have a plan. My ministry coach early on in ministry used to say this, Hey Shane, have you ever thought, what if your vision works? <laughs> I think it's easy. You know, we all have vision and we have goals, but sometimes we don't have a plan if they actually work. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> a lot of students to the table, to ministry leadership or to the mission field. And they go, man, yes, I'm called to this. And then we go, Oh no, what now? Because Ben, I know you probably get those same questions I do is let's say even a camp context. If you do a special calling out the call, every time I'll have multiple youth pastors go, hey, Shane, I just had five students surrender to ministry leadership or 10 students. I don't really know what to do with them. And so I think having a game plan to go, what do we do with these students when God does call and they're faithful to say yes? Do we have a game yeah. plan for them? Yeah. 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 I think that's really, really good. Shane. A lot of that was what happened in my own life. Exactly what you're describing is people just saying, come alongside, given opportunity, wasn't doing something different, but making room in the calendar. So the question I have for you is, what are some of the things that you look for, like in students that would would say, hey, maybe this student, maybe God is working in this student's life. I like how you put it of us not declaring it, but it's maybe you maybe see that. What are some of the markers that you that you see or ways that you've seen as you've talked to people or seen students come up and kind of get into ministry? What are some of the ways that you think, you know, God sometimes can utilize a student to start calling them to ministry? Yeah, I think, first of all, help them wrestle, for lack of a better term, wrestle with the call. Um, One of the things that we do address in the book is that every person called to ministry leadership should have three affirmations. Uh, not one of the three or two of the three, but all three, um, and then help a student kind of realize if they have that. Um, I think, you know, those three affirmations, just real quickly, is an inside affirmation. That comes from the Holy Spirit himself, right? Like, that is a calling from God. Here's the deal. Like, if you jump into ministry leadership and God hasn't called you to that, it's not going to go well for you, right? And so is there that inside affirmation that only comes from the Holy Spirit himself, uh, I kind of joke in there, like we want God called leaders, not grandma called leaders, you know, because when we were younger, all of our grandmas told us we were going to be the next Billy Graham. You know, and it was like, no, like, that's not what we're looking for, you know? So it was like, hey, God called leaders. So inside affirmation, uh, number two, outside affirmation. And I think that's where Nathan, that comes from us as leaders, you know, to where we're in tune to go, hey, I see this in you. Do you see it in yourself or Hey, maybe God's calling you to ministry. Have you ever considered that? And sometimes God speaks to people and affirms that inside affirmation through that outside affirmation through trusted leaders, trusted men and women in our life that are maybe more mature than us, a little further up the road than us. And God speaks through them. So there's that outside affirmation. And then thirdly, what I would call opportunity affirmation. I really believe a calling to ministry leadership is not something you have to chase because in a sense it will chase you down. Like God, is God opening opportunities for you to serve? Is God opening opportunities for you to exercise those gifts? Is God opening opportunities for you to show that passion that you have? And so I'd say inside affirmation, outside affirmation, opportunity affirmation. So I say, first up, like let's help them kind of navigate, is God calling them? And then once a student goes, I do believe God's called me to the mission. I do believe God's called me to ministry leadership. But then you go, well, what are we looking for? In those students, absolutely a love for Jesus, um, a love for people. I, I think you're going to have a hard time serving if you don't love people. So does that student, do they have this deep love for Jesus? Do they have a deep love for people? Um, are they walking in spiritual disciplines? Um, I think that's one of the first things we can do when a student says, hey, I think God's called me to ministry leadership. 
the first thing we need to help them do is to walk deeply with Jesus. Because I think what we default to sometimes is to go, oh, well, if you feel called to leadership, well, let's figure out what your gifts are. Let's figure out what your your talents are. Let's figure out what your leadership aptitude is. Let's figure out what your leadership lid is. Um, and if we're not careful, I think that's how we get into some issues that we've seen today, right? Where people have moral failures or they burn out or they walk away from ministry or they walk away from the faith. Because I think if we're not careful, um, our current models can just create a bunch of gifted and talented people. So those gifts and talents will put them on stages or platforms that maybe their character and integrity is not ready for yet. And there's no way to build true godly character and integrity. There's no shortcutting that besides just spending deep time with Jesus. So spiritual disciplines, do they have a willingness to serve? I think especially what social media has done is even with young people who go, I feel God's called me to ministry leadership. Sometimes if we're not careful, they're thinking about the blue check verification Christian that they're following on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And they go, well, I want to be like that. I want to preach on those stages or I want to get on that platform or I want to have that following to go, no, 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 this is not a calling to stardom. This is a calling to serving, servanthood. So do they have a willingness to serve? Meaning there shouldn't be no serving that they feel is beneath them. Um, you know, I, man, I, that one's, yeah, that one's ahead. huge. Yeah. I, yeah. I was having a conversation yesterday with a youth pastor, um, who has had some students, you know, Hey, I feel called to be a missionary. Like it was this conversation that, that we were having called to ministry, called to missions, and I thought his approach and conversations with that student was so helpful. And yeah. it goes right along with what you're saying about opportunities to serve. So if you feel like God's calling you to be a missionary, then who at your school or in your neighborhood right now are you seeking to share yeah. Jesus with? Because Absolutely. those things, it's not, man, I'm just going to do whatever. And then when, and then I'm going to go be a missionary. That's like right. it has to, it has to start with you right now. And so I thought his approach was I I want to help them find immediate next steps such a good word. that they can take right now to Absolutely. to begin to show and exercise that because it is it's it's serving. If you hey, I think God's calling me to be a youth a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Well cool. You're in a youth ministry right now and you can start to do things that serve in the youth ministry. So I just man, this is a I say that to affirm what you're saying about finding places to serve immediately, not later, but also just to affirm that this conversation is happening, happening among student pastors. Like this is taking place. I love it. Which is a really cool thing. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And man, I affirm what you're saying, Ben, and I love that youth pastors approach um, because we all remember when we were in Bible college or seminary, there was always at least a couple of guys that didn't even go to church on Sundays, you know what I mean? But they were waiting till they got that d- degree and they were going to go be a pastor and solve the church problems. You know what yeah, I mean? But and hadn't been to church in two years. Yeah. Serving in a church while in Bible college or seminary, they were waiting to graduate and then they were going to go be a pastor to fix it all. And I think back at some of those guys and unfortunately none of those guys are in ministry, you know? And so like to go, yeah, what are you doing now? I think that's a great question. When a, you know, a young person goes, I feel God's called me to ministry. I feel God's called me to mission for your life. Awesome. I want to help you. I'm going to walk with you. But what are you doing right now? Like, because if that passion's there, like, don't wait. You are the church now. So what are you doing right now? Yeah, that's a great. Yeah. I love the three uh, affirmations you gave earlier and internal 
and external and then uh, opportunity affirmations, I think is the way you put it. Yeah. And that would be, man, that would be true. And in, in my own story, absolutely. Yeah. It, it really does chase you down. Like I tried to not do it and I, I changed my major in college and like, I tried, I tried to not do it. And the Lord through opportunity had to tackle me and say, no, this is, (laughs) this is what you're going to do. So I don't from, I don't like, recommend the run from God calling approach, <laughs> but yeah. he really will. Like if he, if he has it for you, he, he will bring it about and opportunities to serve will come your way. And sometimes those opportunities are right in front of you. If we just, if we just look. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Such a great word. Absolutely. Man, what would you say? Uh, if, if a youth pastor is is currently in a situation where they are uh, maybe struggling with this a little bit. Yeah. Um, maybe they, cause I, man, I know my story of having somebody who specifically mentored me uh, in how to do ministry. Like I had an older youth pastor who yeah. poured into me and taught me that has, I'm that has happened in others, but, I, I do think that that's a rare, that's a rare thing. Yeah. Especially now. Yeah. So what would you say to a youth pastor who might be struggling with that and is saying, man, I, I'm just kind of feeling my way through this. Maybe I was saved later in life. Maybe I, I became a youth pastor from another vocation later in life. Yeah. The, that I have seen that happening more in yeah. recent days than a decade ago. Yeah. Which is awesome. I'm encouraged by that. But if they haven't been shown, then it makes it more, a little more difficult to tackle something like this. So for somebody that's struggling with that and not like not knowing where to start, we talked about some of the things we look for in a student that might feel called to ministry. What would you say to a youth pastor? That's like, Hey man, just help me start this. Help me, help me begin to build this culture. Yeah, that's great, man. I love that. I'd say, first of all, you know, I, I think you got to settle it in your mind theologically, because I think sometimes the biggest probably I don't know if I'd call it pushback, but biggest question in this is go, well, hey, aren't we all called? Yeah. And what I mean by that is like, right. So, I mean, there was a time, I think, especially in the Western church in, in the American church where it's kind of like, hey, for the most part, people, you know, you, people get saved, dunked in water then sit on their blessed assurances, going to a bunch of potluck dinners, watching all the professional Christians do the ministry. And the moment they did ministry in a way they didn't like, they would send them a little email in Jesus' name, right? We've all gotten yeah. those. So there was this mindset, I think, in the church where we thought only the professional Christians could do the ministry, which was the pastor and the staff, all those, right? But then the pendulum shifted. And, and I think instead of just kind of shifting to a healthy spot, on some of it kind of overcorrected to where we swung completely the other way, and that's where we got really good, which was super helpful, where we talked a lot about missional living and on mission living and like, hey, every member a missionary, every member a minister. And yeah, that's true. And what we would and we called it in the book, a universal calling of ministry on all believers. Now, not universalism. That's a heresy, but a universalism or, or universal call a ministry on all believers, not universalism, a universal calling a ministry on all believers, <laughs> meaning this. If you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God. You are called to a ministry of reconciliation. That's 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 18. We're all called 
uh, to know Jesus and make Jesus known. We're all called to make disciples. We're all called to love and serve our neighbor. We're all called to this. Um, we're all, you know, uh, Ephesians 4.12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who are the saints? All believers. Why? Because we're all called to a ministry of knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. But so I think what we've done is we've gotten better at communicating that. But in that, we got away from what you see in the Bible also, which is a unique call of some. That's why I love Ephesians 4. 11 in the CSB where it says, and God gave some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And you just kind of lump that out leaders. God's called some to be leaders. And you see that unique calling on some all throughout scripture. You see it in Jeremiah, Deborah, you see it in in Phoebe and Paul and Timothy and all their jobs are to, to lead and and to equip others and, and to edify the body of Christ. And so what we say, we got to, first of all, I think as a leader, we got to be able to wrestle that theologically to go, hey, we, we teach both, that all believers are called right. to the ministry of reconciliation, but God has uniquely called some to lead the body of Christ. Now, that's not saying one's a varsity team and one's a JV team. That's not what we're saying. We don't want to teach it that way. We're going to say it's all equally important, just different roles in, in the mm-hmm. functioning of the body. So we got to get back to that. So I'd say as a leader, you go, okay, where, where do I even start in this? I wrestle it theologically to go, Hey, this is right. Like there's a calling on all believers, but there's a calling on some. So how do we continue to run both that, that route effectively? Um, and then I would say, um, I love the old John Maxwell principle as leaders. And I think we need to do this till Jesus calls us home is really, you need three people around you. You need a Paul in your life. You need a Barnabas in your life and you need a Timothy in your life. Meaning you need somebody, even as a leader, as a youth pastor, you need somebody that's pouring into you. So if you're listening to this as a leader, who is someone that's pouring into you? Somebody that you can learn from, somebody that you can glean from, um, somebody that you can help like replicate what they're doing into somebody else, what they're doing for you that you can do into somebody else. So you need a Paul in your life that's pouring into you because I know a lot of guys go, I don't know how to do this because no one did it for me. Right. So who is a Paul in your life? If you don't have that, pray and ask God to send that person in your life. If you do have that, Man, treasure that and let that person know how important they are to you. Uh, so we need a Paul in our life. We need a Barnabas in our life. We need somebody who's running the race next to us. They're, they are that encourager. Who's someone that's running next to you, encouraging, someone you'd be absolutely honest with? That's usually like your 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 friend, your best friend, somebody that you can just be honest with. And then who's those Timothys in your life? Meaning there's people you're pouring into. So as someone's pouring into you, you're pouring into them. You know, that's that multiplication piece disciples making disciples because i think one thing we got to remember even as youth pastors is that really beyond even being a youth pastor you're a disciple of jesus and so i think we just have to remind ourselves of that often is that we're always going to be at our best when we're leading loving discipling serving out the overflow of our own worship of jesus because before the lord ever gave you any titles or positions or put your name on a business card or an office door or a website he just called you to follow son Jesus. Yeah. So be a disciple who is making disciples. Um, even if you have a position at the church or you're getting paid a little bit to do it. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. 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 Man, I'm glad you mentioned what you did about the, the pastor that I served with uh, early on who I, buddy gray is his name. He's in Birmingham area, Alabama. And one of the big things that he tried to teach our church is every member is a minister. Like I can, I I can still hear him saying it. And so I'm glad you did. You talked about how 
it is both. It is a calling of those who are part of the sum he called to be yeah. preachers and teachers. Sure. But that's not at the expense of helping everyone to understand that. Absolutely. To know God and make him known piece of that. I think ministry sometimes works in pendulum swings. Completely. And yeah, completely true. And so we get like we get something like this and we go, okay, we've got to call out the called. <laughs> and then the goal becomes yep. as many students in my ministry as I can. Mm-hmm. I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to maximize. I'm going, and that's where we can sometimes get into that. Man, I really think you might be called to ministry. Mm-hmm. And we, we, if the pendulum swings too far, yeah, that, that can be our only focus. And what I love about what you and Dr. Pace are saying, not only through the book, but as you go and speak mm-hmm. places is that's not, that's not the goal. It's, right. it's not just to have a bigger number of people called to ministry. Yep. But it's to recognize the function of we've got to have both. We've got to teach people how to be ministers because all we are we are to equip all of the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah. And also there is there are people that God is going to specifically call to vocational ministry. And those things have to coexist because the the last thing we want to do is pull all the Christians out of the world vocations yeah. because Absolutely. we need, we need Christians out in the world. <laughs> Amen. If, yeah. if we all become pastors, then we're just going <laughs> to sit in a room together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love that you pointed that out. And yeah. I think that's so important for people to understand. Like you said, it's not a varsity and a JV. Yeah. It's different parts of the body. And yeah. as scripture says, what was one part to say to another part, you're worthless, but like, that's not the way it works. Yeah. Every part of the body functions has a purpose and i think that's just really important for people who are looking to build this kind of culture to know and i happen to believe that the more training and understanding and development we do to help people understand that they are working in ministry i think the correlation of that to god calling out the sum Mm -hmm. Will grow. I think the more we help people understand their role in ministry, the more people God will use that as Absolutely. an environment to, yeah. to pull those some. So, I, man, I'm thankful for your approach in this. Thankful for the conversation today. Uh, if you want to check out the book, it's called Calling Out the Called by Shane Pruitt and Dr. Scott Pace. Um, you can get it wherever books are sold. So fi- find, find it and uh, and get in on it. Shane, man, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. It's always good to hang with you, man. Hey, thank you, dear friend. Man, love the conversation. Grateful for you. This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We'll see you next time, everybody.